Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. This week, we're continuing a series called Sower, Seed, and Soil. And we're looking at one of the parables that Jesus told. Now, a parable is simply a story with a meaning. And Jesus, the Bible says that he taught so much from parables. It says he didn't teach anything without a story, without a, without a parable that went along with it. Because we remember stories so much more than just facts. Uh, directions. Anybody else like this? Somebody gives you directions and you're like, yeah, I got it. And then you walk away and you're like, I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> like, like that's, 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 that's just it. It's like, oops. But stories, they stick to us. So one of those is the story of a farmer. We find it in Matthew 13. And the story goes like this. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was sowing the seed, some fell along a path. Birds came and devoured it. Some fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun rose, the seedlings were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the seedling. Still other seed fell on good soil and it produced a crop 160 and 30 fold. So Jesus tells this and then a little bit later he gets with his, his disciples, his small group, and they're like, explain this to us. And so we find that in verse 19. It says, anyone who hears the message about the kingdom of God and doesn't understand it, the evil one come and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. And we talked about what that means, how we need to just, we, we have to understand it because if we don't, the devil's just going to come and take it. He will just come and take it. So we need to understand it and that's the meditating on it. And we have to apply it and be like, okay, well, what does this mean for me? We can't just hear it and be like, great, we have to say, okay, well, what do I need to change? What do I need to start? What do I need to do? And then he said, the seed sown on the rocky ground is the one who hears the word, receives it at once with joy, because yes, it's awesome. And like, awesome, but they have no root. So he remains for only a season when trouble or persecution comes. We talked about trouble. I said, I'm positive trouble's coming. I mean, you might want something positive. Well, there it is, it's coming. Like we are gonna have trouble in this life, but we can overcome it. That salvation is not like God's going to solve all your problems. You're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise now. There's still trouble on this earth. We talked about persecution and what that means and what that looks like. And God's like, yeah, it's going to happen. And trouble and persecution aren't the same thing. Persecution is when we are soloed out, when we're pushed out or singled out because of who we serve and what we believe and whose we are and what we know. And that persecution does come. And we talked about how to stand up against it. And now as we look, we come to Matthew 13, 22. It says, the seed that fell among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. All right. Anybody ever been choked before? Like, like really, really? Okay. None of you had big brothers or sisters, or I, mine was extra bad. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure he was. Like, he's awesome now, but I say this all the time. My big brother, when we were little, he was just evil. He was evil. I remember one time I was in the bathroom, and he wanted in, and I was trying to hold the door and, and keep him from coming in. He was three years older than me, and I was like, 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 like a bean pole. Was, I was really skinny. I could stand sideways, stick my tongue out, and like, look like a zipper. You're like, what is that? Like, I, I could hide behind a pencil. I was, I was skinny. 
So, and he was a lot bigger than me, so he's three years older than me, and he wants in the bathroom. Well, he, he gets the door open before I could get it to latch, and the wall was behind the bathroom, and I remember I'm stuck between the wall and, and the door, and he's sitting there with the door going boom, 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 <laughs> just dribbling my body between the two, back and forth, and that was just like normal day, and choking. Oh, I remember he got me in a couple of chokeholds and just thinking like, I am going to die. And I didn't, just in case you're wondering, and I may be exaggerating these stories with a little bit of like what happened when you were little and then you look back when you're older. I don't know if you've ever done that, like visited the house you used to live in and saw the, the huge mountain behind it and you're like, it, it, it's this, that mountains, there's no mountains. It's, it's just this. We had a, a tree house growing up and I remember I went back after we had moved away to the treehouse, and I remember thinking how high it was and how I lived even though I fell off of it once, and it was this high off the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, it, it, so there may be a little bit of that in there, but I remember the feeling of being choked out, and it's not good. But that's the language that he's using here. And he says that the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. So as we look at seeds, remember this, the seeds are God's word being sown into our lives. But there's things that will cause it to be unfruitful. And the thing about it is, is if you're choking something out, that means it's alive because you can't choke something that's already dead. So it's that the word is alive in us, but that it can be choked out. So what is it that can choke it out? Well, understand this, ground has everything needed for life in it. And when God's word is sown and we hear that, we're given the things that we need. The Bible says that we have, it is in Christ, we have everything that we need for life and godliness, that it's there, but there's things that come in and choke it out. But the thing that it says that chokes it out is this is the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Ground only has so much nutrients. The nutrients are there. You plant, you put some seeds out, they're going to grow. But the thing is, there's competition for those nutrients. I don't know if you've ever planted a garden or tried to get your grass to grow. The things that we want and the good things that we want to grow, do they happen naturally? No. No, they do not. I've never been like, hey, garden, I, a garden just popped up in my yard. It's beautiful. There it is. It's like that, that never happened. That, that didn't happen. No, you've got to go out there and you've got to plant what you want. You've got to till. You've got to get rid of the junk that's already there that wants to grow, the weeds. They just show up. You don't have to plant weeds. They're just there. Your grass, you have to plant your grass. It doesn't just grow there. And if you leave it alone, weeds and thistles and everything else show up in it and the wrong kind of grass and everything, it, it, it takes work. I know, I see my neighbors working hard on their nice lawns. It takes work. And then they look at mine and they're like, he doesn't work at it. Like, it's, it's obvious, but it takes work because those seeds, there's only so much nutrients there. And when other stuff come in, there's competition. And so often the good things that we want, and if we're not careful, the Word of God that's sown into our heart that is alive will get choked out by everything and anything else. And think of it like this. You're here right now, and we're here. We're here in God's Word. You're going you're to go home today. You'll be sitting at lunch. You'll be talking to them about how great the message was. 
that, why are we laughing? Really? I mean, anyways. Um, but you'll be talking about the message and like how it went and what was going on. And then you're, this afternoon, you're like, okay, well, what, how, how can I apply that to my life? And say you go to bed tonight and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And you've made some decisions and you've thought about the things that you might need to start, some things that you need to stop. And you've prayed about it and God's really spoken to you what you're going to do and, and how this is the message and what you heard is going to change. And then you're going to go to bed. And tomorrow morning you wake up. And you wake up and you wake up early and you're like, Yo, I'm working out. So you get up and you're like, well, it's time to work out. So you get up and you... you, you put your headphones on, you get to go on that jog, and you turn on that music, and you listen to your workout music. And it's workout music, and workout music is workout music, right? Like, it's got to have a good beat, and it's got to be good, and there might be some interesting stuff said in it, but it's workout music, right? Or maybe you're at a gym, and you just go, and they're playing what they're playing, and it's, it's workout music, and you know what it is. But have you noticed that we will sing things in songs that would make grandma turn over in her grave if we said them out loud. Becca, when, when she was younger, um, got caught listening. She had a CD. I don't know if you know what those are, but she had a CD. <laughs> um, and and uh, when, when you bought CDs with music, they would the, the, the band that produced the CD, there'd be an insert. And in there were the lyrics for each song. And her dad came in and was like, what are you listening to? And, and said, so, so, so Becca gave him the CD book that came, and he took out the insert. And he's like, read me what it says. And she's like, please no. And he's like, read it. <laughs> Front to back, start to finish, all of it. She had to read all of it, all of the words, and got to the end of it. And just looked and said, I trust I will never have this in my house again. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you won't. I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. <laughs> but it's just workout music. And, it's, and it's, it's so good. And some of those words, they just kind of like sneak in there. And you're like, ah. Oh. And, and I know I'm there. There's a, there. there's a specific song that when I was writing this, I'm like, I got to get this. Like the one for me, I'm like, I got to get rid of this song. I listen to it when I go mountain biking, and it's such a good song. And every time it says the bad word, I just usually, I'm, if you, maybe even if you mountain bike with this, heard me say it, but at random, I'll just say, ship, um, when, I'm, when I'm biking, because I don't want to hear the bad word, and it still fits with the song, so I'll just be like, ah, ship, and I'm riding along, because I don't want the bad word to get stuck in my mind, but I'm like, I got to get rid of this. But anyways, I'm tattling on myself, I really shouldn't do that. I'm very holy, by the way. Um, I walk on water. It's, it's hard to bathe. Um, but anyways. So you work out, you're listening to your music. And then, of course, you've got the rest of the day that starts, and you go to work, and you're like, okay, I'm hiring, and I'm firing. You're making decisions and setting goals, or you're at home, and you're moving, and you're cleaning, you're arranging, you're getting it all set, you're running, you're organizing and setting out the calendars and getting the days and planning falls, and you're getting all this stuff done, and you're productive, and then the end of the day comes, and you're home, and you're like, well, now I just want to unwind, and you're like, well, what am I going to do? And you're like, well, let's just watch something. That's what I'll do to unwind. And so, so, you, so you turn on, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Well, what am I supposed to watch? It's like, well, 
It's work just to find something wholesome to watch. And I'm done working, so you're like, I'm just going to watch whatever. Because so you, just, you just turn it on and you watch something. Because you're like, I just don't want to, I just, just want to watch something. I just want to unplug. So you unplug, you do that, maybe glance at your phone, and then you just go to bed. So you're lying in bed. You kind of sigh, you're happy to be in bed, and then you're like, well, now I'm worrying because you did look at your phone and you did see a news feed and every news feed you look at is the end of the world and we're going to die and how somebody's ruining something and this is over. You ever look at the news it's like, good news, great things are coming. You never see that in the headline, ever. They're not like, woohoo. I think they would actually get every one of us to read it if one of those news organizations were to ever just do it. Good news, great things are coming. We'd be like, what is this? I've never seen this before. It would shock us, but it's all bad, and so you're like, oh, and so you think about that, and you go to bed. And that day is gone. And here's the thing. Was it, was it really bad? No. I mean, maybe the song I'm listening to is, but probably not you guys. It's not really bad, but was it good? But here's what it says, says, the worries of this life choke out and they'll leave us unfruitful. We only have so much energy, so much time, and so much we can do. God's word wants to produce in us. So I'm announcing that we're going to just start, like, we're going to have a nunnery, and what we're going to do is we're going to, like, no. No, here, understand this. The natural and the spiritual are not mutually exclusive. It's not like everything natural I do is evil and only the spiritual things that I do are okay. That's, that's not what it is because we have things like this in the Bible. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. Get married, absolutely. Well, what about my job? 1 Thessalonians 3 says, Those who are unwilling to work should not eat. Yes, have a job. These are good things. Go hunting, Genesis 10, 9. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. I'm like, yes, I'm going to be that. I'm going to be that mighty hunter before the Lord. But these are things, it's okay. It's not that everything in the world is bad. Go on vacation, like what it says in 1 Timothy. It says that we are to put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. We can enjoy life. It's not like we should rock around and just be like, I hate everything, everything is bad, give me a bell, boom, and then just start over again. We don't need to be doing that. That's not what we see. Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. We can look at God's creation and just marvel and love it and take photographs in it and go swimming and wakeboarding on the lakes that God has made and just be thankful and grateful for all that He has done. But understand this, the, a good thing in the wrong place is bad. A good thing in the wrong place it's not good anymore. It becomes bad. 
And if we're putting good things in the wrong place, they can choke out, they become bad, and they choke out the word in our lives. I found some warning labels that I just, I just want to share with you really, really quick about some good things that were in the wrong place. The first one here was a warning label found on a sunshade that you put up in your car. And it says, warning, do not drive with sunshade in place. <laughs> You're like, really? You had to tell somebody that? And I'm like, if they needed the note to know that, they shouldn't be driving at all. Like, really? It's a good thing, but it's in the wrong place if you're driving with her. Okay, I got, I got one more. We'll keep it quick, and that's this one here. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you're missing it, it says this, please do not wash dishes in the urinal. Like, who, where, where did they need that? You're like, really? That they're like, not again. They're washing the dishes in the <laughs> urinal. We've told you not to. Oh, man. I, I don't know. But it's a good thing to do, but that's the wrong place. Like, that's, that's, that's not where that should be. But we need to realize this, that good things in the wrong place will choke out God's word. Matthew 6.31 says this, Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Everybody say first. first. The kingdom and his righteousness in all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So where's the place that we're supposed to put God? Is it third? Is it fourth? Is it seventh? Is it eighth? It's first. It's first. It's seek first the kingdom of God. A fire in a fireplace is awesome. Absolutely. It's romantic. It's warm. It's fun. I'm a guy. I can poke at it with a stick all day and just be happy. Just stir the fire. I just, I just love it. Because that's where the fire's supposed to be. But that same fire in your living room just on the floor, that, that's, that's bad. That's not good. That's a good thing in a bad place. We need to make sure that we're putting things in the right place. A vacation home is great. It's good. Go up and relax, unplug. That's awesome. But a vacation home where we take a vacation spiritually and we put our spiritual growth on hold, and we unplug from our small group, and we disappear, that takes a good thing, and that makes it bad. And it can choke out the good things in our life. A job is wonderful. We need jobs. We need to have income. I love the boss says, you don't work, you don't eat. We're not meant to live off of the government. That's, that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to work for ourselves. But that same job, we can become so career-minded and so focused on climbing that ladder and, and achieving another level of success and the kudos that come with it or what else, that all of a sudden that we become consumed by it and that's literally what we live for. And we're willing to compromise our morals a little bit here and there so that we can move a little farther or get a little faster or... And that's a good thing that becomes bad. It's a good thing that come, becomes bad. Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. 
Don't compromise your morals. Don't, don't, don't be like, well, you know, it's just this. It's not that big of a deal. No. A good thing gone bad. Kids are amazing. The Bible says that kids are inheritance from the Lord. They're wonderful. Your family's amazing. But it can, it can be an idol and it can go in the wrong place. Remember a friend in high school whose dad would never come to church. And I'm like, we got to get him to church. And, and I remember one time I was like, why won't he come? My friend looks at me and she goes, oh, he won't come because he, he said this. He said, I will not put anything before my wife and my family. I will not go to church. And I was like, well, at least he, know where, he knows where God belongs and it's first. I'm like, he's ahead of some Christians, just right there. Like, he's, he's, just, he's, just, he's, he's ahead of them, and he's not one, but anyways. But we can take a good thing, and if we put it in the wrong place, it becomes bad. It chokes out God's word. Anything, anything that we put where it does not belong can do exactly that. It can choke it out. It can choke out what is meant to be productive, and great in our lives. Sports. I love competition. I can compete in anything. Like it's just, You can just take anything and make it a competition. I love it. And Becca's very competitive as well. And then we had kids. And our kids, oh my goodness, it's hilarious watching them turn everything into a competition. So we'll come on Sunday mornings and the, the older kids all come with me. And Bo, always, he's our youngest, he always wants to come. But if he doesn't go to bed right away, he doesn't get to come with me. But we'll get here, we'll be putting this stage together, and we have two tools, some of the guys are already laughing, we have two tools that we use, because the stage pieces get locked together, and there's these Allens with a red handle that you kind of twist, and my kids compete over who gets to twist the most of them, and at the end, they're pushing each other and slamming in and jumping across the stage to tighten up the next one, and I got seven, and I got eight, and that's because you pushed me out of the way, and I just laugh. And Xavier's like, oh my goodness, do you guys compete over everything? I'm like, yes, they do. Absolutely everything. Competition is wonderful. Sports are amazing. But when we know every single stat on every single player and when they started and what their this is and all of that and how far they can throw and all of that, but we can't remember two Bible verses, rut row, <laughs> there's a bit of a problem. It's a good thing in a bad place. And here's what the Bible says it does. It's the worries of this life that choke out the fruitfulness of God's Word in our life. I believe that there are, there are many Christians who say with their mouth and believe in their heart that they want more of God, that they want Him to guide them. They want to be able to hear His voice. But to be honest, they spend more time listening to every other voice than they do his voice. And the number one way that God speaks to you and I is in his word. And if we won't read what he's already given us, why will he give us something else when we won't pay attention to what we've already got? And we pay so much attention listening to everything else that honestly, if God was to show up and speak to us, we wouldn't recognize his voice because we don't hear it. We're not used to it. It makes me think of an athlete. An athlete gives up to go up, right? They give up sleep 
to train. They give up time with friends because they're competing them. This is what they're doing and this is it. Years ago, I was um, at, the, at this event. We were listening to this guy talk about, his name is Ian Adamson, talk about adventure racing. And he was a world-class uh, cyclist and held a bunch of world records for kayaking the farthest distances and all these short times and all this stuff. And we're like, okay, um, people are getting to ask him questions. And this, this lady says, um, your training, like what, what's your training like? And he just laughed and he goes, um, it's, I don't, I don't train. And she goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, it's a lifestyle. He's like, it's everything that I do. He goes, my life is training. I, do, I don't go train. Train is my life. He's like, that's what I do. He goes, and if you take more than two weeks off of whatever you're doing, he goes like, you're losing ground. You're going backwards. He goes, it's my life. But that's what an athlete does. They give up to go up. If you want to go to the next level, you're going to work harder. You're going to have to change your regimen. You're going to give up sleep. You're going to give up time with friends. You'll give up different foods and even eat some foods that you're like, but it'll get me what I want, so you eat them anyways, right? Athletes give up to go up. And you and I as believers, believe it or not, we get to we do the same thing. You're looking at me like, like a cow at a new gate, like, no way, what is that? Okay, 2 Timothy 2.20 says this. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purpose, and some are for common purpose. Verse 21, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purpose, made holy and useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. 2 Timothy 2.20. He says, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments ready and prepared for the master. Something that I've underlined in my Bible years ago, and it says, it says, those who cleanse themselves. Often we're waiting for God to do something, to give us some revelation, so that we're like, well, then I'll be able to. Oh, God, do something. And you, but let me just say, you can pray all you want. You can, but it says, you cleanse yourself. And God's word is being sown into our hearts, but when we get distracted by everything else, and everything else, and here's the thing, when I say everything else, there's certain things in our life that we know that they're wrong, and they're just wrong, and that's sin, and we need to stay away from it. But there's other things that they're good, but they can, they're bad if we put them in the wrong place. And if those things they choke out the Word of God in our lives. There's things that we're like, wait a second. We need to remove this, and we give up to go up. And I already told you, I was like, that song, I'm like, you know what? I just, I, I just need to get rid of it. But there's some things that just need to go. That it's not, it's not bad, but are there some things in your life that you've put where they don't belong? that you prioritize over everything else. I mean, you will not leave the house without that cup of coffee. Like, I get it every morning. Like, oh, yeah, I got to have two or three or whatever it is. Oh, but I forgot to spend any time with God this morning. What would happen? We see athletes and we know what happens when they give up to go up. It makes perfect sense in our minds. Yeah, he's going to give this up and, and because he's not eating that food and they're going to do this and it equals and... 
Are there some things that you need to give up or rearrange, shift where they are in your life to make God first? Because where's the spot that God wants to be in your life? First. Where's the spot that God fits in your life? It's first. You can try to put him in second or third, but he doesn't fit there. He won't go there. He won't. It's not like, oh, he, I, I, I can kind of put him on that shelf for now. He just doesn't, he, he doesn't fit. It doesn't work. It's a square block and a round hole. It doesn't work. It will not fit. And the things that he says that choke out God's word in our lives are, is often this. It's the worries of this life. It's just getting caught up in the everything that has to happen in this life. And God's like, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek it first. And then we take what we have. Because again, this isn't go sell everything you have. No, 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 no. Don't do it. Unless God tells you to, and then yes, absolutely do it. But know that it's God. And talk with some people first and talk with your small group leader. Like, like this isn't something you should rashly just do. But if God tells you to do it, yes, absolutely do it. But what we're meant to do is have things, and things aren't meant to have us. What we're meant to do is take what we've been given and leverage it for the kingdom of God. And not allow it to take the place of God or to take away from the energy and time that we should be or that God's leading us to spend and invest in the kingdom of God. And we can rationalize so much. And there's so much we can rationalize. Well, I know I really shouldn't be living with my boyfriend, but if we move in together and then we won't have as many expenses and we can give more to the church and, and that'll just be better. It's like, no, no. Like, like, nice thought, love where your heart is, but you're wrong. <laughs> you're, you're just wrong. You don't just get to be like, well, God, look at, like, I've, I've, I know that your word says don't, but this would work really well and save money, and I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the extra. Like, it doesn't work. We, but we can rationalize and come up with so much of it, but just we are meant to take what we have and use it to build the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, command those who are rich to sell everything that they have. Oh, wait, no, no, I'm sorry. That's not what it says. You really got to pay attention because I don't know what I'm doing. 1 Timothy 6.17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Again, it's okay to enjoy what you have been given, what God has entrusted you with. But then he keeps on going. Command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. You and I are meant to be rich in good deeds. Now, when it says here, command those who are rich in this present world to be arrogant, the tendency that we have is like, well, that's not me. <laughs> I'm not rich. But do you know that if you make $35,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of earners in the world. You are the 1%. It's you, 35. You and I are rich. Don't exclude yourself from this. Instead, put yourself in this. 
Command those who are rich. This is for me. In this present world, not to be arrogant, but we don't put our trust in hope, in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything we need for our enjoyment. Again, it's okay to enjoy what God has given you. Mind this, but command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life, which is truly life. That's what we're meant to do, is to leverage what we have to make a difference. What does it say? Be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. That they may take hold of life, which is truly life. We're to be looking ahead at where we're going. I had a family friend years ago who was just an, a really, just really fun, generous guy. Um, just, just always a generous guy. Uh, years ago, I was working with a bunch of youth, and I was like, I know what we need to do. We're doing some small groups and after service. What I want to do is I want to play paintball indoors. I was like, this is an awesome idea. I need to play paintballs indoor. And so I, I, I tell this guy about it, and I'm like, this is what I want to do. And it's reball, and we've already got the guns, and they're played outside. But what I want to do is I want to spend about $5,000 on all this equipment, and we're going to play with these reballs, and we're going to play in the gym, and we're going to play afterwards, and kids are going to be able to invite their friends to service, and then afterwards, we're going to play paintball. And he's like, that's a great idea. I'm like, I know. I just got to get the money. And he goes, how much is it? And I go, it's, it's about $4,500, $5,000. And he goes, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And I go, how, really? And he's like, yeah. I go, how much will you do? He goes, all of it. Just tell me how much it is. And I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yes, that's an awesome idea. And I'm like, well, I already know. It's like $4,700. And I'm like, I'd, I'd done all the research and I just was told no, but I just had to find a way to make it happen. You ever get told no and you're like, I'm going to make this happen anyways. That's me, like on everything. So I'm like, we're still going to make this happen. And he's like, we'll do it. So he bought the equipment. And he stopped by one time and he goes, how's it going? And I'm like, check it out. And I'm like, and I pointed to him, I go, see that kid, that kid, and that kid? I said, not a single one of them came to church until we, until we started doing this. I said, and then they've been here every week that we do this. I said, and they sit through service. And he gets a big old smile on his face. He's like, really? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Because he knows what you and I know, which is God's word doesn't return void. So some kids might be showing up to play paintball, but they're hearing God's word. And those seeds were sown in their life. And I don't know what happened, but I know that the seeds were sown. And he heard it. And this guy did this over and over and over in so many different ways. I watched him do that. I watched him do that with other organizations. Again, there was friends of the family. Remember one, one time I met him for coffee and I was just asking he was, he was just somebody I could ask for advice and different things. And, and uh, so we meet for coffee, and he pulls up in uh, a Lamborghini. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, that's my new car. And we begin talking, and I was like, oh, that's great. And he's like, can I take you for a ride? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to sometime. That'd be great. Um, but that coffee conversation, we're talking, and he says, he goes, you know, I got the new car. He goes, but the hardest thing he goes, is I have to make sure I'm holding it in an open hand. He says, I've wanted one for so long. He goes, God's blessed us so much. He's like, but I have to hold it. And he goes, you know what? It's harder for me to hold that car in an open hand than it was my other car. 
or any of his other cars. If there's something in your life that you need to move, I don't know what it is, but I'm asking you to pray and to ask God, to ask the Holy Spirit, to just say, God, is there something in my life that's making your word unfruitful? Is there something in my life? It might not even be evil. It might not be bad. It could be a good thing that's just in the wrong place, but that you pray. It might be obvious, and you're like, I know exactly what it is, and I've got to check myself daily to make sure I know where it is. Or maybe you just need to pray and say, God, is there something that's causing this? Because here's what I know. I know that God has a plan and a future for your life, that he puts you here for more than just building sandcastles and working and to build things that aren't going to last, that get torn down and to buy something new today that ages and breaks tomorrow. No, you were put here. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future that he's given you gifts and talents and that you're meant to use them to make a difference today, not tomorrow. Today, he wants to use you. But if there's things that are choking it out, here's the good news. When we, when we remove them, guess what happens? When we put things where they need to be, it's just like the garden. When you, when you go in there and you pull the weeds and you get the things out that don't belong, all of a sudden, what happens? That plant that was struggling just shoots up because now it's getting the time, the nutrients, the sun that it needs and I can tell you what's going to happen. As you plug into God's word, you're like, no, I'm going to be at church every week and I'm going to get in a small group and I'm going to day in and day out, God, I'm going to give you the time that you deserve. I'm going to put you first and you begin to do that today forgetting about what you did or didn't do yesterday but you start today and go forward. I know what's going to happen already. God's word is going to change you from the inside out. It's going to produce fruit that you see, your kids see, your neighbors see and you're going to begin to change your world in a way that you never thought possible. We go up when we give up. Yeah, you might give up a couple of little things as you move them aside and be like, this is a little bit different and shift some things around in your life. And I've watched people do it. I've watched people downsize their houses because they're like, this is an issue and we need to move it and sell cars and give away cars and move things and, and not get degrees because if they got the degree, they'd have to sign something that would say that they would affirm people with lifestyle, they wanted to live lifestyles that were contrary to God's word. And they're like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And as such, they can't get licensed under the state anymore. That's what they went to school for. And they spent years in their life moving towards it. But then they suddenly, they, they, they get to a point that they see it, it contradicts God's word and they can't go any farther. And they're like, I won't compromise for my career. I'm not going to do it. And I've watched people do it over and over. And some of you are in here. And some of you are like, I don't know if I could do it. You can but God's word wants to produce in your life, and it will. But this is what I'm asking every one of you to do, is to just pray. Say, God, is there something that I need to move? I already told you as I was writing this message, and there's that song in my workouts. And I'm like, it's got to go. It's got to go. It just, it just doesn't belong. And I know it. And that's what God spoke to me, one of the things that he spoke to me. What is it he's speaking to you? And if you're like, he's not speaking, give him the time where you seek and you ask and you say, God, what is it? And then just listen, and he will speak. The Bible says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And you watch as God's word takes root in your life 
and begins to change you from the inside out. And you're more, produ more produ productive than you've ever been before, spiritually. I want to pray for you. Just bow your heads and close your eyes a minute. God, as we're here, I know that these people are here, God, because they, they want more of you. They're not here because of me. They're because of you and your word. God, we need more of you. We lean into you right now. If you're here right now and you already know, God's already speaking to you some things that just need to be, be set aside or rearranged and moved. I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, would you just lift your hands so I can see it? All right, hands back down. God, those that you've already spoke to, that they know some things need to shift, need to move, I thank you for giving them the boldness to do it, to stand up to see it through, to see it through on the first day, the second day, the third day, and the tenth day. God, those that are sitting here right now that are like, God, we want more of you and are about to ask you, I think that you speak to them clearly, that you confirm it by those that are around them, confirm it in your word, and that you give them the boldness and the strength to follow through. Your word, God, it is so precious. It is life to our bones. It shows us the way to live. God, we want to please you with all that we do. Thank you for what you're doing in and through us in Jesus' name. You just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I don't want to assume that just because you're here or just because you're watching right now that you know where you stand with God. But you can know. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you will be saved. You can know. You don't have to wonder. So if that's you, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, and then we're going to pray. And when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God, because God's word says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, we will be saved. We will. So if that's you, then today is your day. Don't wait any longer. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray. Get ready. One, two, three. Right now, lift it up high. Say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Say, that's me. All the way up. Awesome. Hands down. Would you all just, let's just all pray this out loud with those that lifted their hands. And those that lifted your, their hands as you say these words, make them your own. Let's all pray together. All together say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. I believe you died, that you shed your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to